Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. With Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk. Welcome to episode 32 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I, Cam Lewis, am again hosting. And again, I have the lovely and excellent Brendan Kuhn here with me because Tyler Uremchuk, he's still out in the woods. He's still wandering around. We haven't heard from him in days. We have no idea what's happening to him. But we are here to recap a extremely frustrating weekend the Blue Jays just had against the New York Mets. Too many of those. Yeah. Too many frustrating weekends, frustrating series. Um, yeah. I, going into the series, you figured you were set up to hopefully win two of three pitching matchups looked mostly in your favor outside of uh, Taiwan Walker yesterday, which ended up being the game they scored all the runs in, but uh, yeah, another, another frustrating series. So what we've had recently is the Jays just lost two of two to the Red Sox as one of those games was rained out and the Blue Jays then lost two of three. Like you said, it was a series that it really did seem like they could do some damage and compensate for the unfortunate series against Boston. It's it the they the Blue Jays were in a fortunate spot missing Jacob DeGrom and Mark, Marcus Stroman. It was it was kind of funny that the one game they teed off on. So they lost the first game three nothing, and then the next game they teed off on Taiwan Walker, who was probably the best starter they faced all weekend. Yep. And then the third game on Sunday, that five to four loss, just a just a just another downer, hey? Yeah, and it, it wasn't like they weren't making solid contact or you know doing anything, uh, nothing against Rich Hill. You know they were they're getting hits, they got some walks, they were getting runners on, um, often leadoff runners. I think four of the first five innings there, um, and yeah, just failure to capitalize and uh, just you know a game we've seen play out comparably in the past. Um, the bullpen we ha- haven't had as many crushing bullpen games it has felt like in a while, um, like this uh, Sunday game was. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just a, a tough series. You wanted to, you know, ride a little bit more momentum going into this big Boston series before the return home. Um, and eventually this team needs to turn it on. Uh, I think you and I both believe they're better than the record uh, indicates. But at the same time, you need to start winning some of these games um, and, and putting together a, a better record. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they just need to start doing it. It's been frustrating. Both of us, I think, are hoping since we're going to be there on Friday, both of us are going to be there. We're both hoping that that's the beginning of them going on a nuclear hot streak because that is exactly what they need. But before we talk about, you know, Toronto's return and all this trade deadline stuff we're going to talk about in a bit, we're going to do three up, three down, as always, brought to you by Twig and Berries. Head over to the Twig and Berries website. 
and buy yourself some nice clothes, some sweaters, some underwear, some socks, different things like that. And use the Nation15 promo code to get yourself 15% off your order. Support an Edmonton business. Well, a St. Albert business technically, but if you're not from Edmonton, it doesn't really matter. It's all kind of the same thing if you're from, you know, BC or Toronto or wherever you're from. So the first up that I have here is we're just kind of going to gloss over the first game that happened on Friday. It was very boring. The Jays' bats got shut down. But things got really exciting in the second game. The Jays teed off on the Mets for 10 runs after they made a very interesting lineup change. They put George Springer for the first time since, I think, before he went on the injured list for the second time, back to the number one spot in the order, put Vladdy second, and just totally rejigged the lineup. And then they teed off for 10 runs. Yeah, I think it was a, a move that was a long time coming. Um, I don't necessarily hate or, you know, I, I don't feel like I can get too strongly on Charlie for not doing it earlier. I think it was one of those things where the organization wanted to do it and they just wanted to feel, um, they, they wanted to wait until there was a moment where it felt like it was a good time to do it, where you could point to like, ah, oh, there's, you know, something a little off right now. Let's just mix it up for the purpose of doing that opposed to, you know, having Semyon, you know, have a great streak of, of a week of games. And then all of a sudden just demote him. Um, so yeah. And, and ultimately the, the lineup shuffle moved him down to three. So that's one of those things too. That doesn't feel like too much of a demotion. No. So um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the decision there. Um, I've been calling for it for a while, hoping for it for a while. Um, and as unconventional as Bo Bichette as a four hole hitter feels, he's actually kind of perfect for this lineup. Um uh, for the same reason I, I've always wanted Vladdy in front of Bo. Um, and we saw some people mention it on, uh, on Twitter today, but uh, you want people who get on base in front of Bo Bichette because Bo Bichette is a contact hitter. He's not going to be the high on base guy. Um, so putting him in front of Vlad uh, isn't the best lineup construction. So dropping him down and having three guys who are productive and get on base in front of him means Bo Bichette will now have more base runners on for him to do his contact thing put balls in play and uh, drive in some runs. So it's a really good fit for him as much as it may not seem like it to uh, a traditional lineup uh, constructionist. Yeah, that was a, it was a hell of a game offensively because you put Springer in the one spot and he went two for six, you uh, Vladdy in the two spot. He goes two for five. Semyon moved down to number three, more of an RBI spot, two for five drives in three runs. And then, like you said, Bo in the RBI spot as well, three for four, one of his best games of the year drives in a couple of runs. Then Teoscar also had a huge game. Uh, two for four with four RBIs. And then even at number six, it was Lotus Guriel going two for five. It was like, this was the, this was the first time all year we've seen the Blue Jays rock and roll with their optimal lineup. And they really came through and it was sweet. And then also one thing we need to mention is that insane catch that Springer made in center field. That was one of the catches of the season so far, I think. And he came down hard and he bounced up and felt good and showed no sign of wear from that back in the lineup again today. So as exciting as the catch was, it's just nice to see Springer doing yes. very athletic things and not uh, being all that terrified of why I don't think I'm there yet. I'm not there yet, <laughs> but it seems like Springer's not there anymore where he's worried about aggravating his prior injury or hurting something else. He looks full go. Uh, he's been playing really consistently lately. He hasn't been getting days off. Um, absence of the ability to be a DH this weekend, being in an NL ballpark and he's playing every game. So yeah, I think we're kind of over that hill of um, of babying Springer. You can always have a re-aggravation or end up getting hurt, but I think we're past the point of his build-up process, him being comfortable playing every day, 
um, him feeling well enough to play every day, we're there. And, um, you know, as much as in the past uh, off days have been a topic of conversation uh, for Vladdy and, and stuff like that, these guys are playing every day. Like Bo and Vladdy have not missed a game this year. I don't think no. Simeon has either. I don't think he so. maybe got a day off where he Those ended two, yeah, up back the into the season. game. But like these guys are playing uh, every single day this year. Um, and, and, you know, obviously taking advantage of the DH spots and giving them half days here and there, but they're playing every day. Springer's now healthy. Um, we're about to enter a long run of games and we'll see how that shakes out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, 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 we're seeing the top five guys you want to see every single day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was felt great yesterday. So now we're going to stick with the second game and what I've got here for our first down is Hyunjin Ryu had a pretty mediocre start. I wouldn't say that he got knocked around. I wouldn't say he got drilled, but he only went four and one third and the Mets hit him 10 times. He only had four strikeouts, three earned runs. What, what did you see from Hyunjin Ryu on Saturday? Yeah, I, as much as it feels weird to see like a guy not get out of the fifth and give up 10 hits, it did not feel that bad. And that's mostly, it's just a lot of singles, right? So he was getting dinked and dunked in just one of those Babbitt fueled games where the other team is getting more hits than probability would probably um, have you expecting. And those games happen. I mean, Ryu isn't a big strikeout guy. And I think that was the big thing yesterday. It wasn't a ton, especially after the first couple innings, it wasn't a lot of swing and miss. Um, which obviously is a beneficial thing, but, you know, he only had one walk, um, you know, the four strikeouts where when you're giving up that many hits, the four strikeouts and four and a third aren't that great. So I think, again, that's the biggest thing is just, is he getting swing and misses? Is he really keeping guys off balance? But at the end of the day, he was just giving up singles, single, 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 single. And uh, yeah, so not an exciting start. I don't think it's a worrying start. Um, I am kind of waiting for that vintage feeling Ryu start, which this certainly obviously wasn't. Um, But yeah, I I don't put too much stock in this being a problem Um, as much as prior Ryu starts where his velocity is way down and he's walking guys and he's giving up hard, deep, you know, extra base hit contact. So sticking with pitchers, we're going to flip now to Sunday for our second plus, which is Ross Stripling. Stripling has been kind of a roller coaster ride this year because right off the hop, he was bad. And then he fixed his windup. He started bringing his glove in closer so he wasn't tipping pitches. And he was very good, like not just effective number five pitcher, but like number three pitcher. He looked fantastic. And then in his most recent two starts before Sunday, he got kind of smacked around a bit by the Rays. And then he got drilled by Boston in that one start. He only got one out, allowed six runs. His ERA ballooned all the way back up to 5.04. But on Sunday against the Mets, Stripling was good again. He went five innings, allowed five hits, one earned runs on a single walk, six strikeouts. So you think that good Stripling's back. We don't have to worry about, you know, him regressing into being early season Stripling again. I think at this point, I just view him as a number five starter, which means that um, you're happy with the good starts and you hope they stick around. You're not, I'm less confident in them or projecting them out. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we, we view everything very narrowly through the lens of the Toronto Blue Jays. This is pretty consistent with most teams, right? I mean, four and five starters are going to have up and down games. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's two super rough starts in a row for Stripling there. Um, can't deny that. And they were a problem, obviously, if your five starter is having games like that frequently, and they're not good enough to be a five starter. Stripling had a long enough run there where he was good. Um, 
to earn some grace of having two awful starts and to get another start, much like he got uh, on Sunday here. And he performed. He delivered. He was strong. Um, you know, he, he maybe even gets a sixth inning if uh, his batting spot in the lineup wasn't in play uh, for the sixth inning. So, you know, going five innings, no walks, six strikeouts, that's, uh, that's a pretty good day from your five starter. And uh, obviously this is an up, uh, obviously a reason uh, not a reason the Jays lost today. So yeah, good, good to see. And, and it uh, looks like Stripling's getting the home opener against the Royals. So um, you'd like to see a good start there uh, to start <laughs> that big critical homestand. Yeah, let's hope so seriously. And then flipping to the down from Sunday's game as well was kind of the bullpen, but specifically Ryan Baraki, who came in in the sixth inning right after the Jays had grabbed the lead. Baraki just recently came off the injured list and there was talk before the game. Oh yeah, he's you know, going to be in high leverage spots. This is a huge ad for the team. Getting Baraki back is fantastic. And then he comes in right after the Jays had grabbed the lead. They had a nice big three-run rally in the top of the six. Baraki comes in, allows one hit, a walk, two earned runs. Jacob Barnes came in after that. Meltdown was just terrible. So what did you see from Ryan Baraki? Is this a cause for concern? I noticed his velocity was not where it was earlier on in the season when he was excellent. The best of Brucky is 97 with a wipeout slider and uh, he's able to put it where he wants it. Um, we've seen kind of that like mini Andrew Miller in the past mm-hmm. from Brucky. We've seen glimpses of it and something you can dream on, um, but then he either gets injured or regresses and has this fluctuation of velocity. And today Brucky was 94 to 95 and he had no idea where the ball was going. So, you know, when you're, when you're throwing a, a flat 94 um, and you can't place it, um, when you can't bury your slider in on uh, on a right-handed hitter, you know that's where you get somebody like Pete Alonso who's going to do damage to you. So, um, yeah, Brucky's still really – he, he's a guy they're going to go to because he's one of the pen arms. Um, but, yeah, I think he's lower on the list now um, than he's been in the past. I would slot him below Mesa as far as lefty priority, uh, certainly. Um, and you just hope that eventually he can work through this and find that premium stuff again. But uh, as I said, more importantly, he needs to have an idea of where the ball's going. Um, and he can't just be dropping cookies or walking guys. And and uh, walking Michael Conforto, a, a fantastic left-on-left matchup for him to then go into Pete Alonso the next at-bat, um, that's a problem. And uh, maybe, you know, if that Alonso home run can be a solo home run instead of a two-run shot uh, because you're not having an uncompetitive um, matchup with uh, Conforto, Conforto before that, that's, that's what you need. So if you're, if you're a lefty guy who excels against lefties, can't uh, avoid the walks there, that's a problem. And that's what we saw today. And then sticking kind of with this too, why was Jacob Barnes the guy that Charlie Montoya went to, to kind of mop up this mess? I think it kind of, that left a sour taste in people's mouths because it didn't really seem necessary to use Adam Simber in the Saturday game, given the team was pretty far ahead. And then you wind up in a situation like this, Simber's probably not available on Sunday and then tossing up Jacob Barnes there, who's bad. And he looked terrible in that outing, like (laughs) DFA candidate bad. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Um, really, a lot of this was driven off of what happened in the Saturday game, right? So Ryu can't get out of the fifth inning. Um, and it's totally fair to argue or, or you know point at what uh, decisions Charlie made there. But the Jays did score three runs in the ninth, right? Against mm-hmm. uh, the other day, so Saturday. So um, they were up 7-3, I believe, when Simber came in. So that's still close-ish. Uh, that's still the type of game where I think um they could have blown that like yeah they they could oh, it wasn't a runaway that. oh oh we have seen no, that, we, we've seen that. You know what? I, I actually don't have a problem with what charlie did yesterday and the biggest issue was going back to the review start um 
concern from his performance? No, but the fact is him not getting out of the fifth then meant you're using a lineup of important bullpen guys. Um, and that impacted the decisions that were made in the Sunday game. So, um, yeah, just one of those things that goes to show, even if uh, Ryu had of escape yesterday, not giving up any runs, uh, depth is important from a starter, um, or at least, you know, having the stuff that can get you into the sixth, seventh inning, because then you're not lining up a parade of bullpen people or bullpen arms who are important and then uh, spoiling them for the next day. So, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with with what Charlie did there. Um it just didn't work. I, you know, Barnes is a lower rung guy on, on this, in this pen and he might not be here a week from now. Um, but yeah, the, the, the pen was tired and had been used heavily and they're in a run here of a lot of games in a row. So it's just something you have to be mindful of trying to get guys rest day. Um, Thomas Hatch is starting on Monday against the Red Sox, which potentially is another short start. So all these things go into a manager decision. I saw some people bothered by it. Um, yeah, it didn't feel great seeing Jacob Barnes there, but it didn't necessarily feel like a problem when full context is evaluated. That's very reasonable. So we'll jump now to our third up, which is the return of Alejandro Kirk. I think he had a pretty strong weekend. We talked about this in the last podcast. The Blue Jays' question about the catching situation got answered for them when, da- when Danny Jansen uh, hurt himself in the Red Sox series. Kirk was hitting well in AAA, so he came up. Easy decision to be made there made life a lot easier for everybody. Kirk in his first game back went one for three. He was one of the three guys to pick up a hit that game. And then in the Sunday game, he went two for four. He obviously didn't come up big in that situation with the bases loaded uh, later in the game, which was unfortunate, but he also chucked, uh, tossed a couple of guys out on the base paths as well. I thought all in all, it was quite a good weekend for Kirk, who I'd imagine we'd all like to see playing most of the games behind the plate for the foreseeable yeah. future even when jackson's yeah, healthy i think we'd, too bad we'd to like see to that win. yeah that, that eighth, eighth inning opportunity he had there at the bases loaded too bad to see him not deliver in that moment because he was having a, a pretty great game right he was having an impact on both sides of the ball um there wasn't an, an error there uh you know a ball that got by him as well that uh that wasn't great but as a whole kirk looked good and i think you and i agree that you know this this is now as long as he's healthy a team he belongs on and will remain on for the remainder of the season um, and we'll see Danny Jansen sounds like he's out a while, so I'm not sure it matters all that much, but, uh, if, and when he came back, um, I think that's when the decision between, you know, Reese and, and, uh, cutting Reese or just sending Danny down needs to be made because Kirk, uh, Kirk can have an impact that those guys probably aren't capable of having. Um, and he deserves to be on this team. So yeah, it was great to see him throw out two guys, right? Like what a, what a confidence builder for him, two different bases too. Throw, throw, throws out a guy at third, throws out a guy at second. Um, very accurate throws both times. Um, and yeah, I mean, the guy just hits lasers, right? He's a line drive hitter. He's got incredible bats of ball skills. And uh, I, I hope to see him more than Reese McGuire moving forward. I think uh, I think he's good enough to, to get those reps. And he's probably good enough to see some DH time too. If there's starts where you want to get uh, Reese in there, that's fine. Um, but let's, you know, let's take a look at Alejandro Kirk in the DH spot instead of running Randall Gritchick when he's ice cold out there, right? Gritchick, um, despite his contract eventually, and, and his season as a whole has been fine. Like he has not yep. been a problem. Big picture is fine. I know the lows with Randall Gritchick are not great. And he looks terrible when he's in one of those, um, slumps and it's been a while now and the team needs to win games and his contract status shouldn't matter if Springer's good enough to play center field. There should be games where Gritchick just doesn't get to play because Kirk is the DH. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think there's a pathway for Kirk to see, you know, 60% of the games behind the plate moving forward and additional at-bats beyond that. 
That's interesting you bring up Gritchuk because my final note here, my final down was going to be the fact the team went three for 19 with runners in scoring position. They only put up four runs on Sunday, but they had nine hits and four walks. A bunch of those hits were for extra bases. They, you know, stranded, like I said, a whole ton of runners like Springer, Vlad, Semyon, Bo, Hernandez. They were all on base, the top five. And then Gritchuk, our Gritchuk puts up uh, an 0 for 4 spot there, the number six spot. It's like he was a massive rally killer. In yeah, they in those first five innings uh, on the Sunday game, the Blue Jays scored zero runs. In those innings, they had three leadoff doubles and one leadoff walk. So the first runner was on four of five times, and three of those times uh, they were on second base, and they didn't cash in. And George Springer made a really poor decision trying to steal third. Um, and you know you can't always blame runners in scoring positions. Sometimes just random, right? Like a lot of the time, you know what? You just don't get that timely hit. Hitters can't force a hit. Um, if they could, they would do it a lot more often, right? So sometimes it's just unfortunate luck, that type of thing. Um, but you want to see the ability to cash guys in. Um, and they had a lot of opportunities to score more than four runs they, that they did today. Um, and they came up short and, uh, you know, losing by one. It's easy to look back at those first five innings and see what a lost opportunity there was there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got this great top five you feel great about. And then immediately, you know, roll that into Grichik. Um, At the very least, he should probably be lower in the order. Going back to Alejandro Kirk, Kirk is probably deserving of being the six hitter uh, in this lineup when uh, when he's starting. So, um, yeah, I mean, Grichik in uh, in the AL where you have a DH, he should probably be hitting eight, eighth or ninth. We're probably at that point. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it needs to be at a point. We're far enough in the season now where lineup decisions need to be made based on best ability to win now um, and not necessarily trying to get guys going and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Alejandro Kirk, uh, six hole hitter. I'd, I'd love to see that happen. That's what we all like to see. I think. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, that's three up, three down brought to you by Twig and Berries. Remember the promo code nation 15. We are now going to jump to the topic labeled other stuff. And this move specifically is going to devastate you because I know you're a huge fan of him. You're probably going to wear his Jersey on Friday to the game, but TJ Zoic is now gone. They designated TJ Zoic for assignment after we talked about him on the last podcast for 30 minutes. So it was designated for assignment and the Blue Jays worked out a deal with the St. Louis Cardinals in which he's been traded for cash considerations. Are you worried that this is going to become Chris Carpenter 2.0? I am not. Um, and now that you mentioned the uh, TJ Zoic jersey thing, I actually wonder how many of those exist, like have been purchased, right? Like he's got family members who uh, I'm sure wear the jersey. Um, if he was my family member, I would wear the jersey. Uh, but beyond that, has a TJ Zoic Blue Jays jersey ever been purchased by a human being? Um, the answer is probably no. Uh, so, yeah, no no, no lost money there. Um, but, yeah, I, look, hopefully, as, as with anybody, hopefully they work out, right? If he goes to St. Louis and can perform, he's in the National League, a uh, little easier division. Um, he can have that occasional start where he gets a bunch of ground balls and stuff like that. But he's a not good pitcher. That's the reason the Jays were comfortable moving on from him. Um, and there occasionally have been guys DFA'd where we scratched our heads and this was not one of them. No, no, absolutely not. I think we all knew that Zoic's time on the roster was limited. He got a bit of a chance this year to be a starter early on. He wasn't very good. He was walking more guys than he struck out. There was just no way this guy could be effective as a reliever either because he never misses any bats. But like you said, once a Blue Jay, he's a Blue Jay, so we'll root for him. Also, speaking of that, that reminds me of one other random thing I noticed during this game. I swear that Jonathan Villar had more hits in Sunday's game than he did as a Blue Jay during his entire tenure last year. 
Like, I don't remember that guy ever you, being on base. Ever. When you said once a Blue Jay, always a Blue Jay, we'll root for him. The first name that popped into my head was Jonathan Villar. There like, he is. Blue like, Jay's really? legend. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm comfortable not rooting for that guy. Um, Yeah, like, he had a rough stretch as a Blue Jay. Terrible. And, uh, you know, to be fair, I mean, those things happen, right? It's not like the guy had any decreased motivation to be good last year. He's a free agent. He's a free agent. He, he wanted to perform. He was not good. Um, it was also reasonable to expect that he would be better moving forward. Um, he obviously really impacted his earnings going into this year. I think he signed for like three million bucks or two and a half million bucks, something like that. Um, and his deal the year before was like eight million, I think. So um, yeah, I mean, he's obviously a capable player. We've seen what he can do well in the past, and the worst stretch of his career happened to take place when he was a Toronto Blue Jay, um, and one of the. Uh, um, Kids that uh, Jays have drafted in the past, uh, sons of big leaguers, Griffin Conine, son of Jeff Conine, was the return for the Marlins. Um, he's actually having, a, not that we need to talk too much about Griffin Conine, but he's having an interesting year. He's he's an A-ball. I still don't think he's much of a prospect. He's 24 in A-ball. Yeah. He leads all the minor leagues in home runs. Guy is a dinger machine. He also strikes out a lot. Um, he's like Joey Gallo kind of as the prospect, but worse. Like it's, it's not necessarily somebody I'm worried about. Don't like that. Out. Don't like, don't like to hear that. Yeah, no, he's, he's like, if, if you took what was bad about Joey Gallo as the prospect, <laughs> that's what Griffin Conine is. Um, and hopefully, uh, no, yeah, it, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully that one doesn't come back to bite the blue Jays. I guess it has a chance, but yeah, he's still got enough holes and issues in his uh, profile that I'm not too worried, but uh, yeah, not a, not a good tenure as a blue Jay, Jonathan Flora. Okay. I'm looking at Bilar's stats now, and apparently he had, so he put up a 188 batting average and a 481 OPS for the Jays over 22 games, and apparently he had 13 hits. I don't remember a single one of them. I don't remember any of them happening. Like, in uh, my yeah, mind, probably more errors than hits, though, right? Or at least more, if you combine, like, base running mistakes and errors. Yes. I'm sure I remember that. the base running mistake. Yeah, I do remember that one. That that was one of those things that like really stuck out during their like ugly stretch last year when we thought they were going to blow their playoffs. <laughs> it was just dumb baseball, right? Like a brainless, thoughtless baseball. You saw quite a bit uh, from him. So yeah, that that signing didn't hurt in the off season. Hope he's doing well, sure. but yeah, we can move on. <laughs> yes, we've already exhausted way too much energy speaking about Blue Jays legend Jonathan Villar. We'll pretend that never happened. Who cares? But that's a perfect segue to our another key topic here is so the Blue Jays were buyers at last year's trade deadline. They added Taiwan Walker, Jonathan Villar, uh, Stripling, Robbie Ray. They had a pretty big go. And then, you know, yeah. that took them into the playoffs where, you know, nothing happened, obviously. But they had to get in. They had to reward the group for the nice season they had. And now this year, they're in kind of a weird situation. I mean, the team is, what are they, like four and a half back of the wild card now. They're pretty far back of the Red Sox for the division, I think. That seems fairly insurmountable, but making the playoffs is still possible. Like we've all talked about the run differential a million times. They're pretty good, but you're seeing a lot of people out there right now who are saying, look, this season's cursed. The team ain't that good. The relievers are bad. Starters are mediocre. The you've only got like five good hitters. The bottom of the lineup's a black hole. Should the team maybe just go ahead and sell high on your Robbie Ray or your Marcus Semien and recoup some assets? Is that something they should look into or how do we feel about that? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think the organization um, would would view it through that lens. I think the return to Canada is a pretty important mm -hmm. factor here. Um, I don't think they want to immediately re return home and be a, a non-competitive team, or at least intentionally be, right? So 
Um, we, and we've watched this team all year. We know they play competitive baseball at the very least, even in the lowest of lows during the season, this team plays competitive games. Don't get blown out very often. No, no, not at all. Like, and when, when they've had those really rough stretches, um, uh, that, that's what's made it even more painful, right? You're like burning through all your bullpen guys and still losing the game by one run and, or two runs or blowing it late. Like those the, the, the team is competitive. They, they always have been the, the Red Sox blowout from last week um, was kind of an anomaly that that was super rare mm-hmm. for a game to play out like that. As we speak right now, the you know Oakland A's are losing to the Mariners by by a run. If they lose today, uh, the Jays are right back to still uh, being four back of the second wild card. So, yeah, I mean, the division, you know, unless you win eight in a row against the Red Sox or something like that, the division's kind of out of play here. Um, but that's fine. I mean, the wild card two spot still exists. It's there for the taking. The teams in front of you are the Yankees who are like half game in front, something like that. They've got their issues. We know that. Um, the Seattle Mariners are They're bad playing way above their head it and no it sense, drives right? me nuts. I, you know, I'm, I'm on the West coast. So I've kind of got this like feel for the Seattle market. Um, and I've got friends who are, you know, Mariners fans and it drives me nuts. Cause like, they're not trying to win their team. Shouldn't be winning. Um, they put less effort into building a bullpen than the blue Jays did in the off season. All of a sudden they've got a top five pen in baseball, like just random, the randomness of a bullpen, right? Yeah. Like all of a sudden the string of random guys are performing great. Um, yeah. So like, you know, if you're four back of the Oakland A's and the only teams between you and them are the Yankees and Mariners, like the playoffs are still in play. The wild card is still in play. Um, and at worst, I could see this team just not doing much approaching the deadline mm-hmm. and probably the games against the Red Sox will have an impact on what they decide to do. Um, but Mark Shapiro's aware of the narrative. Um, he, he probably does not seem like somebody who's targeting a step back and he knows how big a deal it is to be returning home. So worst case scenario is the team just kind of does nothing. Um, and to be fair, the team hasn't given them a reason to be super aggressive at the same point uh, or on the same hand, there's also moves that can be made for the future, right? So if you go add a starter who's under contract next year or beyond or a position player, left-handed bat who's under contract next year, you know, and beyond, um, obviously those things will fit a team because regardless of what happens this year, this team will make a push to be a playoff team next year. So yeah, they're, they're going to be busy working the phones, whether it's small upgrades, long-term upgrades, bigger moves. I think the only thing we can rule out is big time rentals, right? They're, they're far enough back now where they're not going to be chasing a Max Scherzer, which is a move I actually think they would have made if they were like right there with Oakland or, you know, holding a wild card spot right now. Um, beyond that, they are going to be busy and I still expect to see some moves and selling I don't think is an option. As interesting as it would be to see what Semyon and Ray could fetch in the market. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too thrilled about the idea of selling either for the same reason as you. Like, let's be real here. Like... It, it would be such a bad message to send to the players. Like you've had a really, really rough couple of years here. You've played in yeah. Dunedin, you played in Buffalo, you played home games in other teams' stadiums. You're finally coming back to Canada and the fans are going to go absolutely nuts. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be a great time for these guys, young guys, and, you know, guys who have never played for the Blue Jays in Toronto. Yenjin Ryu, it's like halfway through his contract now and he's never pitched at Rogers Centre for the Jays. Like you, it, it would just be it would just be unfortunate. Like imagine Vlad having the off season that he did doing all the work that he did, you know, the fitness getting in shape, this and that. And now he's putting up his MVP season and you go to him and you're like, Hey Vlad, like we're going to give up in late July because you guys are four games out of the fucking wild card. 
Like, is that how yeah. you get this guy excited about signing a 10-year extension this this winter? No. Like, and also let's be real here. Like, are you really that excited about the prospect of trading Robbie Ray to get Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson? Like, is it right. that exciting? Is it that much better than just qualifying both of them and they both walk and you get two draft picks? Like, yeah, and I mean, we, we've seen it in the past and how people like to paint this front office in a certain light and, and like they're so excitable about the idea of adding more young players and that's all they care about. Um, they've, they've spoken at length about the competitive cycle and where they're at and they're now in that, um, they, they, you know, make the playoffs last year. They're now in that progression towards being competitive year in and year out. Um, and, and they care about the market. They know about the Toronto baseball market. They know what this return means. Um, they know what they could get for some of these guys, but this, um, all the context around it supersedes that. And, uh, I would be stunned if they went and made a trade unless there was just something super obvious out there. Um, but also we've seen rentals just don't get those like overwhelming, uh, shocking returns anymore. So if that's not there, um, there's really no reason to entertain it. Um, if they were five games, five games back where they were now, uh, that would mean the return to Canada would have fans in a little bit more realistic place of what the team's odds are. But as it stands, the team probably sits at like a 30% chance of making the playoffs. That's enough to keep your good free agents um, and see what you can do over two months of baseball here. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, there, there's a couple of flawed teams in front of you. And uh, you get hot, you go on a run, um, you beat up teams like Kansas City, Minnesota is selling, you've still got seven games against them, and they're going to be worse when you play them than they have been so far. Um, there's an opportunity to win a lot of games in these last two months of the season, and they know that. And uh, yeah, so so it'll be a fascinating week. Um, it also matters what the competition does too, right? Like I think Tampa is going to continue being aggressive and beyond Nelson Cruz, they will continue making moves. Um, the Yankees, I think are probably in a similar mindset as the Mm -hmm. Jays. Um, the Mariners would probably be silly to make any type of move unless it was a long-term move. Cause again, they're playing above their heads. And even if they were to ride this out and win a wild card spot, um, actually projecting that out or planning for that or acting like that is a likely possibility, um, would be a stretch. And that's a team that's done one of those quote unquote rebuilds the right way. They, they haven't made these, you know, dumb moves here. So yeah, I mean, you, you've got teams that are in similar places to you, some in worse uh, position than you. Um, so I, I'm not sure any of these teams in front of you are going to get significantly better. So just win more games than you have now, make up four on the A's, um, and you got a real chance to uh, still get after that wild card two spot. Exactly. Don't be cowards. Don't give up. You want to, you know, the Jays want to sell tickets when the team's back in Toronto. They're going to yep. sell out those first couple of weeks because of the novelty, and then the team needs to be sort of competitive so they can sell out late August and the entirety of September. Chaparro knows that. I I think we're both in agreement here. We're not going to see a fire sale. That'd be weird. Anyways, so kind of the next up thing is um, this four against the Red Sox. It's kind of season defining. And up next is brought to you by our other sponsor, DoorDash, in which you can use promo code BJNPODDD. If you're a first-time user of the app, you get 25% off and no delivery fees. So if you want to go ahead and order yourself some food, and you know, do all that, then use the promo. That's great. Um, so yeah, next up, season-defining stretch here. If the Jays go ahead and sweep Boston these four games, and they're probably buying at the deadline. If they get swept, eh, probably not buying at the deadline. So what what are our expectations for this series here? Four in Fenway, and the Red Sox are rolling. They just um, 
Actually, I, I specifically had this pointed out. They had a hilarious win against the Yankees today. And like, I don't, I, I think at this point, if the Red Sox are playing the Yankees, it's in our interest to cheer for the Red Sox. I'd rather Boston just run away with the division. And yeah, I'm kind of there. Yeah, that's where we're at. And so with the Yankees situation is uh, Domingo Herman had a no-hitter through, I think, what, like seven innings? And yeah. then he allowed a double, lost the no-hitter, came out of the game, and then their bullpen just imploded. And the Yankees were up 4 nothing. Boston puts up five in the eighth inning, and then they lose the game. So we went from the Yankees might throw a no-hitter at Fenway to the Yankees have blown a four-run lead at the end of the game at Fenway, which is fucking hilarious. So funny. something like that happening to the Yankees uh... – tastes delicious it always does when it's being done by the red sox not quite as good because another team you wish these types of things would happen against um but yeah from a jay's perspective it's probably at this point best to just cheer for everything with a wild card rooting interest um and we've had man like we've seen the blue jays have some devastating heartbreaking oh my goodness losses this year the yankees have had a lot of those too oh yeah they have been a rough year of it and Aaron Boone dealing with the New York media He's and how great. he has to, you know, describe these and come up with some new emotion every time <laughs> they happen is kind of funny. But he's just like, yeah, like how many worst losses of the year can you have? And I'm thinking like, yeah, Blue Jays are right there with you. We have felt that. Um, but, yeah, it's always fun when that happens against the Yankees. Uh, the the Red Sox are unfortunately good, decent. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're yeah. playing four games against them at their home park where they are great. Um, and you know, last time the Jays went there, they split a series actually outplayed the the Red Sox quite a bit. They did. Um, but yeah, you've got Pavetta, Richards, uh, Tanner Houck, and uh, a lot of Rodriguez is the last we, one, so we did pretty well. So, you know, it, it's pitchers you've seen, pitchers you know well, uh, outside of Houck, who's a, who's a good prospect, but uh, yeah, I mean, guys you've hit in the past and guys who have had good starts against the Jays, so. They need to go have a you know have a have a strong series um, win at least two right like yeah you got to go two you know, one and three zero oh and four what a drag to come home they don't even get an off day before coming home and and all the hoopla that that will be so um, yeah man like just you know win win two and and obviously two isn't great when it comes to the playoff race and everything you're in but also being realistic this is a good team in their ballpark and two isn't a bad result in isolation. Um, but if they can go hit the ball like they did last time they visited Fenway, they're going to win more than two games. Um, and, and that's what we'd like to see, right? It's some miracle run where they go 4-0, sweep the Red Sox, come home against Kansas City, a flawed team, play Cleveland for four, a flawed team uh, with injuries. Like, there's a chance here to go on a run. But also, we've been saying this for a while, and the team yep. just needs to do it. So, you know, win some games that are heartbreakers for the opponent. Like, let's yes. experience some of that, right? Like, let's have a heartbreaking let's loss. Let's be the bad guys. Let's yeah. fuck somebody else up. Yeah, let's let's be down two in the eighth and score four and, like, take that lead and win the game. Let's experience what that's like and uh, ride some momentum into the Rogers Center on Friday uh, where you and I will be. Yes, we will. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel, too. Two and two against the Red Sox, I would be perfectly fine with it. We'll be there on Friday. It'll be extremely fun. Thanks, as always, BK, for coming on and chatting Blue Jays with me. I will see you on Friday, as we've mentioned yes. about a thousand times now. <laughs> Let's we know. are excited. As I depressing am. as the baseball can be at times, we are going to a ball game in Canada for oh. the first time in uh, since 2019. So, um, yes, regardless of all the, the Blue Jays status around it, 
Um, what a cool experience this will be. Uh, I, I, I can imagine it being emotional for a lot of people. Yes. Um, and I, I'm very much looking forward to it. And here's hoping this is one of those things that just is part of the turning point. We shall yes. see. Hopefully that's what we're all hoping for. The Blue Jays come back to Canada, go on a 32 game winning streak. It's incredible, you know, money ball stuff. That's what we all want to see. It'll be a blast. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks again for listening. Please give us a five-star rating. Please share the podcast, all this and that. We will be back on Thursday night, Friday morning kind of thing, right before the Blue Jays are back in Toronto to talk about all that. We will see you then. Enjoy the week. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. With Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.